All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you, Mike and Liz. Thank you for welcoming us so warmly. It really is such a privilege to be here uh, with you today. And um, we've got a couple of thoughts that we want to, to share with you, things that we have learnt uh, as a family. Someone said once, one beggar showing another beggar where there's bread, right? Uh, so it's in that posture that we come today. Um, to share with you these things. And Mike, thank you. That was a very honouring introduction. We're grateful for that. Um, but we're still learning <laughs> a lot. Um, look, let's just pray before we get underway. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to come into your family this morning. Lord, and I thank you for this family. Lord, I thank you that your spirit is here. And Father, I pray that you would speak to each one of us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, God loves family, doesn't he? He created families. It was his idea. Uh, and he invites us to be a part of his family. Uh, and what a joy that is. Um, so God's desire is for our families to flourish uh, and to, for us to love one another. So whatever your personal family situation is right now, isn't it great to know that we are all part of God's family, that we have brothers and sisters in the Lord right here, you know, right now. So before we get underway, just a little bit of background about us um, and about our family. That's them up there on the screen. Uh, so Phil and I have been married for 30 years and we have five children, uh, five sons and a daughter. <laughs> Sorry, four sons and a daughter. Get that right? <laughs> five Unless children. This is one I don't know about. <laughs> Uh, so our eldest son is 24 years old, our second son is 22, and he just got married last weekend in, a, in America. So we've just got back from that, which was very exciting. Uh, and then we have a 19-year-old son who's at university, and then we have Quinn, who's 15 years old, and Tiffany, who's 12, and they're here with us this morning in the front row. <laughs> so that's us as a family. You know, it's been said that... Family is not an important thing, it's everything. As we all know, if our family relationships are good, usually the rest of our lives are good too. But if on the other hand, our family relationships are not good, our whole lives can be miserable. Um, it's also been said, home is where you are loved the most and act the worst. And sadly, the world that we live in today is one that, where it seems, as Mike alluded to, our traditional families are being undermined. Uh, our culture today is very self-focused, isn't it? Um, the individual is promoted over the family. And even as Christians, our mentality can be subtly influenced by these underlying messages, by the world around us that is saying, well, you know, you do what's best for you. Anyone else familiar with that? You know, we see it on our Facebook feeds. We see it on our, the TV, don't we? Um, so it's that whole thing. If something's not working for you, you know, why don't you just give up and start again? Try something new, even in your relationships. Oh, let's just start again. You know, let's not actually figure it out. Now, God's view isn't that, is it? His view is that we are to persevere and to not give up. Someone said once that the creation of the iPhone in 2008, 10 years, can you believe that? Was like an, an ADBC moment. We got this wrong, we were talking the other day, and uh, I called it an, um, an, AD, an ACDC moment. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe it was, uh, <laughs> because a bit earth-shaking. But, you know, the smartphones have changed our world, haven't they? 
in the palm of our hand, we have really anything that we can search via the internet, can't we? And our children today, by the time, most of them by the time they're 13, have these things in the, in the palm of their hand. And in the privacy of their own room, uh, all manner of influences, unmonitored and unimaginable in previous generations, can be right there. So our digitally obsessed society, and it's a bit of a watch out, isn't it? If it's digital, it's okay. Anyone else notice that? We're kind of everything at the altar, oh, it's digital. But it's, it's not always okay. But what's happening is there's a counter thing that's going on, which is isolation. I don't know about you, but in my home sometimes, I go around and everyone's at home, everyone's physically present, but emotionally absent. What's that about? We're on our headphones, we're looking at our Facebook feeds, everyone, we're in our own worlds, looking at these Facebook feeds that I don't know about you, but I don't think project reality anyway. Um, not just food posts, but kind of brag posts, all that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, we're not together anymore. We're in our house, but we, we're kidding ourselves. So, um, what happened for us when we began? Yeah, so just to go back to when we first had our first uh, child, we, as new parents, we realised the thing that we most desired for our newborn son more than anything else was that he would come to know Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And for us as a, as a family, once our children reached the teenage years, we realised just how much we were battling against the culture that our kids were growing up in. And we realised that if we were going to achieve our goal of firstly building a great, fa great family relationships and also have our children give their hearts to Jesus and live their lives for him, we were going to have to be a whole lot more intentional than we were. And it was really about this thing that the game had changed. Okay, so all of a sudden there was these voices in our house that were having a profound impact and influence on our children. And as I thought about that and I watched that, I thought, hey, I need to live my game. And sure, we were heading along, taking our kids to Sunday school, dropping them off to youth group, doing that sort of thing. And that was all good. But the question that I had in my mind was, is that going to be enough? Um, so uh, I needed to do more in order to really help my children swim against this current, uh, should it be like the tsunami of cultural tide that we were living in. Research from the USA shows that 79% of young adults in their 20s who went to church with their parents currently now don't. That's 80%. Um, now, one of the reasons for this, uh, as the researchers looked underneath that, is they found that in 85% of faith families, they were not having faith conversations at home. So after we discovered this research, we realised that we were going to have to be a whole lot more intentional about the faith conversations that we had with our kids at home. Um, so we started creating family times, and in particular fun family times where there was real connection. We also began to research how we could go about passing our faith onto our children. As our children reached their teenage years, we encountered the normal struggles of teenagers wanting to become more and more independent, and also the teenagers becoming more influenced by their peers than they were by us as their parents. 
Then, as Mike alluded to, in 2013, I was invited to attend uh, this uh, program in America, this parent-child program in America called JH Ranch. I've got to be really honest, right then, I didn't have a great perception of American summer camps. It was all a little bit hardy high But I found that actually nothing could have been further from the reality that I experienced then. It was a week-long adventure experience on a ranch, but also a really amazing, intentional uh, teaching program designed to strengthen that parent-child relationship and lead both into a very real uh, faith in Christ during those critical uh, years from teenage to adulthood. One of the things we learned from that experience at the ranch was that as a Christian parent, we need to teach and train our children about God. In our society today, the role of a parent is that of protector and provider. However, the biblical role of parents is not only to protect and provide, but also to teach and to train. Quinn asked that I put this photo in uh, of him. Uh, so our, our goal should be to help our children uh, to transition from our authority to God's authority. When Phil went to JH Ranch in America in 2013 and took our third son, Chester, who was 14 years old at the time, uh, Chester won't mind me uh, saying this, but at that time, although he was a good kid, I was finding him extremely difficult as, his, as a, as a mum. Uh, he had a whole lot of attitude, particularly towards me. Um, he was beginning to get very disrespectful. Um, he disagreed with everything. He was grumpy all the time. And he was pretty mean to his younger brother and sister. Um, when he came back from that week at JH Ranch in America with Phil, something happened. Uh, he was different. He was a whole lot more respectful to me. And he was a whole lot kinder to Quinn and Tiffany. And the amazing thing was that this change in him, this change in his attitude, was really long-lasting. The change that happened in our family through Phil and Chester going to JH Ranch was amazing. And it's because of what happened for us that week and in the weeks that followed that we're here today talking to you about this. So what we'd like to do now is just show you a video about JH Ranch and that program that we have taken and brought here to New Zealand and we have renamed it JH Aotearoa and given it a New Zealand flavour but it's still that same program and we just want to show you a video, tell you a little bit of the story of how we got involved and give you a flavour for what it's all about. So if you wouldn't mind just playing the video, that'd be great, thanks. Attend JH Ranch in Northern California with my 14-year-old son Chester in 2013. My time at the ranch was a deeply impactful time for me personally. The undistracted environment and the incredible teaching I received over that week gave an opportunity for deep reflection within a thought-provoking context. God spoke to me personally over the course of that week. He both encouraged and challenged me. The week was also deeply impactful in my relationship with Chester. We connected in a deeper way than we ever had before. When we got home, 
the rest of my family was impacted too. My wife noticed a very positive change in our son's attitude towards her and his siblings. He was a whole lot more respectful to her and kind and understanding to his brothers and sister. My experience drew us closer together as a family and deeper in our relationship with the Lord. In 2015, my wife Desiree and I became part of a small team that had a vision to bring the essence of the gold that I'd experienced at JH Ranch in the US back to New Zealand and adapt it for our New Zealand context. After many weeks of meeting together with this small team and praying together and sharing with one another and with Rob and Edith Hayes Sinclair from the US, the vision for JH Aotearoa was born. In January 2015, we held a six-day event at Tui Ridge Adventure Park just north of Rotorua that 190 parents and children attended and 90 volunteers helped out. We had six adventure activities, five big top talks from JH Ranch and Journey of Transition parenting talks as well as huddle groups and extended solo times between parents and teenagers. What God did over the course of JH Aotearoa was beyond what we had even hoped and prayed might happen. We saw transformation, healing and restoration within families. Parents and teenagers who had come to the event not even talking to one another were reconnected. People who had never been to church before gave their hearts to the Lord. We saw forgiveness and healing and family relationships deepened and strengthened. All that I can say is that God showed up and moved in a powerful way. Only He could have done what occurred. And I consider it to have been an absolute privilege to be a small part of seeing His mighty hand at work. Sometimes people ask us, why the physical activities? Why the adventure activities? But you know, there's a connection. Because what we find when uh, our guests, when the families that are there, find that they can perhaps stretch their perceived limits in the physical, 
then there's an openness in the spiritual. And that's how it works. The only reason that we're here talking to you today is because of what God has done in our family. Uh, and my experience at JH dramatically altered uh, the course of our family for good. And that's why we want to see other New Zealand families able to have this experience too. We're going to be outside afterwards and please feel free to come and chat to us more about that if you'd like to. Mike alluded to the fact that uh, just a few weeks ago we were up in Poland at the Worldwide JH uh, Country Leaders Conference. And you know, it was incredible to see that particularly in Eastern Europe there's an incredible move of God and it's through families um, that's happening. We were just so excited to see what God is doing in this ministry throughout the world and to see reconciliation and healing happening within families that are broken and dysfunctional. And God is coming, he's bringing his power, he's bringing his miracles, and he is healing and restoring families. And it is amazing. Just before we finish, there's just a couple of quick reminders we'd like to share with you. Uh, principles, if you like, around how we can build great families. And uh, there are three of these things we just want to touch on super quick. The first is to intentionally make time for family. In the midst of our busy lives, we need to make time to be together, where we actually interact with one another. Not just be in the same house, but as Phil said earlier, all separately on our own devices, but instead to sit around the dinner table or engage in an activity together, to talk to one another, to work together, and to play together, and to have fun. We've found that what matters most is whether the other person feels loved by you. It's not just about time or going, is this quality time? It's actually about, does that other person feel loved by you? Are they receiving that? Of course we all love our children, but do they feel that from us? Or am I kidding myself as a dad saying, hey, that was just quality time when my child didn't see that at all? Uh, research uh, has shown that the impact that... Uh, you will have on your children's lives is directly proportional to the depth of relationship that you have fostered with them. That's why we need to be so intentional about doing things to build our relationship with our children and thinking, what could I do to make sure my child feels loved by me as, as their parent? And of course, we also need to do the same thing with our spouse. No surprises there. Uh, and for Desiree and I, we do. We have a date night uh, every week, and we don't always go out for it, uh, but it's something that we've always done for 30 years. <laughs> She's still with me, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but we focus on each other, and it's, um, uh, we look forward to it, and it's the highlight of our week. So in order to intentionally build relationship with our children, uh, one of the things we have uh, also is... Uh, what we call sneak outs and um, that's a time where one of the parents goes out with one of the children uh, and the child gets to decide what it is they want to do. Back to that, they need to feel uh, loved, it needs to be about them, not about us as parents going here's what we've decided we're going to do. I'm sure a lot of these ideas we're sharing, uh, you people already do within your families. Um, so I know a lot of this will not be new to you, um, but it's just good to be reminded. And I just want to say at this moment, we do not have the perfect family. We have struggles, 
We make mistakes. Phil and I have made mistakes as parents. Uh, we have arguments. We get mad at one another. Um, and yeah, so we definitely do not have the perfect family. But we have learnt and we are continuing to learn how to overlook offence and to live out forgiveness well. You know, I'm, I'm just aware that as we are talking about family here today, that some of you may be thinking, well, I don't actually really have a family. Maybe you're not married. You don't have any children. Maybe the family members you do have live miles away from you. And you're thinking, well, it's all very well you're talking about family, but I don't feel like I have any. I want to encourage you today. You do have family. And that family are right here in this building. You have amazing brothers and sisters in Christ who love you deeply and are here today. All of the principles that we're talking about with regard to family also apply to the family of Christ. Yes as well as to our natural family. Second thought is about inviting Christ into our family and to make him, really intentionally to make him the head of our family. The Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the church and Christ should also be the head of our family. But we have to consciously invite him into that position. And how do we do that? By submitting our decisions to him and asking for his guidance and leading, by praying together as husband and wife and as a family, and by talking about him with our children, maybe some sort of family devotions even. I'm just going to show a couple of um, brief pictures here of just family devotion times that we've had with the children as they were growing up. We've used the faith box. I don't know if anybody else has used that, but if you've got children from the ages of 5 to sort of 10 to 12, it is an amazing resource. That's Moses and Aaron up there, Quinn and Tiffany, when they were a bit younger. Um, the slide before it, I think, was, was it the Christmas show? Um, see one more? Oh, this is... Uh, the uh, Christmas story, so we've got Mary and baby Jesus there and the angels and the wise men and everything. We invited our neighbours each year to come and do this Christmas play with our kids and um, with their parents. And they're not Christian families, but each year they've come. And now, 20 years on, they still ring us up and going, are we coming over to your place for Christmas drinks and to do the Christmas story play? Um, so just incorporating those biblical stories into the lives of our children. Um, just coming back to a point that Phil made before about inviting Christ to be the head of our, our, our home, our family, and just the importance of prayer. That has been absolutely massive for us. Before we make a decision as a family, we're praying, we're seeking God about it, we involve the children in that. Um, there has been research that's been done that shows the divorce rate between Christian and non-Christian marriages is roughly the same. It's about 50%. So just as many Christian marriages fail as non-Christian marriages. However, research has also shown that the divorce rate for couples who regularly pray together is less than 2%. So if you want a great marriage, 
can I encourage you, pray together with your husband and wife on a daily basis. And that's something that Phil and I do, and I believe that's just been an amazing foundation. That time together with God, that's three-stranded cord as you join together as one. And I found it's really hard to pray together if you're mad at them. So you need to sort that out first, and that means that I keep short accounts. <laughs> Hardly ever happens. No. <laughs> All right, third point. Um, to know what God's word says about family relationships and put those into practice. You know, sometimes there's a gap between saying and doing, isn't there? Between profession and practice. Anybody else notice that? So, you know, we can know it, but are we actually doing it? So a couple of um, key verses there. So this is a verse that we try to put into practice a lot in our family. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. As families, we will hurt one another, but God calls us to forgive each other for those hurts. Ephesians 6, um, 1 to 4, and there it is there. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, we know this, don't we? If you honour your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life here on this earth. I struggle to think of a better promise than that. Fathers, do not promote your children, provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Honouring our parents is an act of obedience to God and is done out of love for him. The Bible promises that we will be blessed by doing it. Honouring our parents doesn't mean that we have to, as adults, of course, obey them. Uh, Honouring our parents also has nothing to do with whether they are worthy of honour. And, uh, of course, a side note, honouring our parents does not mean we place ourselves in a situation uh, that is abusive. And if they have, parents have abused us, well, then, of course, the right thing is to remove ourselves from that situation. You know, Christ said in John 10.10 that... Thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have abundant life. The thief has stolen, killed, and destroyed a lot of families in this country. But God's desire is to restore our family lives and for them to be abundant. God created families. He cares about your family And no matter what your family is like, through Christ, there is hope for your family. Our mighty God, he's a God of miracles. We know this, don't we? Luke 1.37, for nothing is impossible for God. And our prayer for you as a church today is that for each one of you, your families would flourish. Loving and strong and healthy and filled with abundant life. God really cares about your family and he knows exactly what is going on in your family. The difficulties and struggles that you face, and we all face difficulties and struggles in our families, no matter how wonderful your family is, there will be difficulties and struggles because we are all imperfect. No family is immune from difficulties, but with God's help, those difficulties can be overcome. And sometimes we have to fight for our families but our families are worth fighting for. Recently, I've had a situation in my extended family that honestly has been messy and it's been difficult. 
One of my siblings took the family business that they were running with my parents and they took it to the brink of bankruptcy. The situation had the potential to just blow the entire family completely apart. I could have easily said, oh, well, look, that's their problem. I'm not going to have anything to do with this. But instead, I felt that I needed to get involved. Um, it's been a battle, it's been a struggle, and it's gone on now for nearly two years. I didn't have the money just to solve the difficulties of that situation, but I offered the skills that I have and brought in some people to help. Why I've chose to get involved in this mess, when I actually have enough hassles of my own, was because I believe in the importance of family. Because I want to honour my mum and dad. Because I want to honour and love my sibling, even when the behaviour that they've exhibited is not supposedly worthy uh, of that and led to some very painful outcomes. A few weeks ago, I sat in a room with my parents, with that sibling and his spouse. And you know, we had to have one of the hardest conversations we've ever had as a family. We've taken the view that even though there are some problems there, we're going to work together as a family to solve them. What matters most is our relationship as a family and that we'll get through it together. Our God is a God of reconciliation. Where our families are broken, He wants to bring about reconciliation and restore them. We've met a lot of people, both Christian and non-Christian, who've almost given up on their family to some degree. There's a family member who's become offended and then become estranged from the family and the situation is just accepted and there is no attempt to initiate a reconciliation. Of course, if the person doesn't want a reconciliation, you can't force them. However, you can continue to act in a loving manner towards them and let them know that you will always be open to reconciliation because that's Christ's way. At JH, we've had examples. Uh, we've seen a father who left his wife for eight years with an affair, uh, who came back and through a process sought reconciliation and was rejoined with his wife and family. Another father who'd been separated from his daughter for years. They weren't even speaking together when they arrived. But through that process of coming to the foot of the cross, we're restored. Malachi 4.6, as Mike mentioned before, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. We've seen God do this very thing, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. He's done it in our family and we believe he can do it in your family too. Many of, this, many of us in this room have probably been deeply wounded by family members, either currently or in the past. Perhaps we've had parents who neglected or harmed us, or spouses who have betrayed and deeply wounded us. Whatever the pain that we've experienced in our families, we have a God who can set us free from that. We can break those family cycles of dysfunction by seeking God's healing for the wounds that we've received and extending that love and forgiveness to those who have wounded us and choosing to honour even when it's not deserved. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God uh, through Christ has forgiven you. As we come to a close today, 
we'd like to pray and we'd like to ask you the question, if you could ask God for anything today with regard to your family, what would it be? In a moment, um, I think we're going to play a final song. And I'd like, as that's, I'm going to pray first, and then we're just going to have the music. And I'd love you to spend that time just yourself praying to God that one thing you would like to ask Him for, for your family. Um, maybe there is one relationship that is not right and that needs reconciliation. Or maybe a child that needs help. Or a marriage that needs rebuilding or a parent or a child that is estranged. Maybe a prodigal son or daughter you are praying will come home or come back to God. Church, let's join in faith and ask God to work a miracle in your family today. We believe he can do it. As we pray, as well as asking God, I'd also like to encourage you to also listen to him. Is there anything that God may be asking you to do with regard to your family? Anything he's challenged you on today that he would want you to do? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for family. Lord, I thank you for every family that is represented here today. I thank you that you love and you care about our families. And Lord, today, we come and lift you in our hearts, the thing we are asking of you. Almighty God, we pray that you would come in your power and your might and your mercy and your amazing love. We ask for miracles in our family today, Lord God. Father, we ask that you would bring healing that you would bring forgiveness, that you would bring reconciliation. Lord, we lift our families to you. And Father, I particularly want to lift to you the people in this room today who have lost a loved family member who's passed on and are feeling that deep grief of that hole in their family. And Lord Jesus, I ask that this family here in Elam would provide that comfort and that gap that is missing, Lord. Lord, we ask your healing and your comfort for those who've lost family members today. And Lord, we ask for a miracle, your mighty hand at work in our families. In Jesus' name.